Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. He is worthy of it all. Everything that we can give, he is deserving. He's worthy of that honor and of that praise. And, you know, as we have this opportunity to, t- to come together and to, uh, to worship him through song and through prayer, our desire is that we would fix our gaze upon him, that we would see him more clearly. And as we do that, that also prepares us to fix our eyes on him through his word and through what he is speaking to us through uh, the inspired word of God. So I trust that we will continue in what we have been doing, that we will continue to ascribe worth to him, that we will continue to focus on him, that we will continue to be interacting with the living God. He is present and he is speaking. What we're going to be focusing on specifically today is Jesus is. Throughout our text and throughout this entire time, we're going to be focusing on who Jesus is. And there are some specific things that we're going to be pointing to, but one of the the things that God led me to in this time of preparation was to uh, contrast our wants and our needs of who we want Jesus to be and who we need him to be. And we're gonna be unpacking that a little bit more as we walk through this, but I wanted to address this, um, the wants and needs through the date again. Last week began the teaching with um, April 28th on the screen and we pointed specifically to uh, some things that happened in my life around that date, but I'd like to focus a little bit different uh, perspective right now. So April 20th, 1990, as I shared last week, is, is our wedding day when Joel and I were married. And as I, as I was thinking about wants and needs, it went to my wedding day. That, that day was a day that, was, that there was some shifting in my life of, from wants to needs. Okay, so I'll explain that a little bit more clearly. So uh, when my wife and I married, I was an engineer and I had three vehicles. I had a car, a van, and a motorcycle. And those were, I can't say that they're all purchased out of need, but they were ones that I had. There were purposes for each. The car was the daily driver. That was what I was normally in. The, the van was something that, um, that I used because it was part of a worship team and we would travel sometimes, so we would fill it with uh, sound, sound equipment and instruments. The motorcycle was just recreation. That was something I enjoyed. So let me make it very clear, my motorcycle was a want. As Joel and I started our married life together, we, I realized that was not a need. <laughs> so what happened within about a year of being married, I went from having three of those vehicles to one. The one that was remaining was not the motorcycle, okay? So I wanna get some background to this because again, our wants can be such a focus in our life and such something that we can set our eyes on. And our eyes can often be fixed on the want and miss the need. So I loved motorcycles from a very, very young age. In fact, I don't know if I loved horses or motorcycles first, but my love for horses kind of dwindled a little bit. My love for motorcycles continued. I never had one when I was younger. I had friends that had dirt bikes and we would ride trails and absolutely loved it. But I was able to get my first motorcycle, which is miraculous that my parents finally um, 
conceited, but right before I graduated from high school, I had my first street bike, and, and I sold that after two years of college to pay for college bills, and then got another one after I graduated, and it was on my third street bike um, by the time that Joelle and I got married, but um, a motorcycle was something I wanted and I enjoyed, but when I took Joelle for a ride before we got married, it was not something that she wanted. Uh, she just didn't, and it wasn't because of the way I drove. It was, um, it was just something that, uh, that it just wasn't something that appealed to her. So our first year of marriage, I still had the motorcycle and I would, I would go riding, but it wasn't with her and I minded that. I, I you know, wanted to do things together. And, and, um, but there was a primary reason that she, she had concern about this motorcycle is it wasn't because of how I drove or how I rode it, but it was others on the street. And, and this was 30 years ago. Now it's, I know it's even a lot different with distracted drivers. But anyhow, in order to help support her need to feel comfortable and not to be concerned with me riding, the motorcycle went up for sale and I sold it. And it was a transition from what I wanted to moving into what was really necessary for our relationship. And, that's, and this is not negative against Joelle at all. Uh, absolutely not at all. Um, I've been fine living in that need, although for 30 years I've still wanted another motorcycle, <laughs> okay? So, so that one's still there, but the need says that in order, uh, again, for Joel to have peace of mind and not to have concern, the motorcycle is not part of my life. Believe it or not, this transfers, this want and need transfers into our relationship with God and our perspective of Jesus. And I want to uh, present this statement, and it's something that we're going to be looking at as we go through this is that Jesus is often not who I want him to be. Jesus is who I need, and that is so much greater. So I want to let this just sit with this, just sit with this truth, that so often Jesus is not who I want him to be, but Jesus is who I need, and that is so much greater. So as we walk through this time together, we're going to be looking at want and need and hopefully our eyes will be open to see the greater need that we have in our lives. So I had flashed back to the opening of the series when uh, Pastor Jeff led us on this journey. We started uh, by looking at the purpose of John, which is found recorded in John chapter 20, specifically verse 31, where John the Apostle says this, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The reason that this, this gospel was written so that, again, that we would be convinced, that we would know that we know that we know that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, we may have life in his name. As we look at what Jesus is going to be saying today in the passage we're looking at, life is going to stand out strongly, very strongly. And the desire is that, again, reading and hearing, we believe that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, that we would have life in his name. Now, last week, we had looked at... Um, Two healings, specifically we had looked at the healing at the end of chapter four of the official son and that's where the official came to Jesus. His son was 20 miles away but Jesus uh, spoke the word. He said your son will live and though his son was on the verge of death, Jesus by the word spoke and, and he was healed. The second one, second miracle of healing was at the beginning of chapter five. And this is where Jesus was in Jerusalem and he came to the pool of Bethesda and there were many that were sick there but there was one specific invalid sick for 38 years and Jesus said, get up, take up your bed and walk, and he was miraculously healed. So these are two miracles that, that are recorded of Jesus. Jesus did many others. There are three physical healings that are recorded in John. We have one more that we're going to be addressing later in our study. 
but these were again healings that were recorded. And what we did, we went um, not with, we went we looked at these and we looked at specifically how Jesus moved and what he did in regards to healing. And we also took a broader look through Scripture concerning healing, and we presented these three foundational beliefs. These three beliefs that divine healing, first of all, is for our complete being, body, mind, soul, and spirit, and is for today that God still heals today, divine healing, supernatural healing, healing that can only be attributed to a miraculous touch from God. The second thing is that we are to pray for healing, both for ourselves and for others, to bring a request before God and, and to even anoint and lay hands upon, that this is uh, what scripture teaches. And third is that we are to leave the healing with God, trusting him with the results. That God is sovereign, and again, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are our ways, his ways than our ways, and his thoughts than our thoughts. That we need to trust him and release the healing into God's hands. We talked about how it's so important that that we seek and go after the healer more than the healing that Jesus is our goal and we sang about it and we prayed about it and, and, and this is to be our life is that ultimately we're going after God and we desire him. In the process, he truly may heal that we see but for those who are believers, the healing is certain that when we step into eternity, we are healed forever, forever, that that healing is complete. And last week, Zach Vincent, he's one of our associate uh, directors in Grace Kids, he shared some of his testimony uh, concerning his, his cerebral palsy and at the end of that testimony, he made this, this declaration that though he knows that God can heal and that he is continuing to be open to God's healing, his, his ultimate desire is that God would be glorified in his life, whether through his physical healing or continuing to walk with, with CP for the, for the rest of his life. So, I mean, he surrendered himself to God and he's, he's again declared that regardless, God gets the glory. Now we're going to see another uh, segment that we had also recorded uh, previously, uh, previous to last week, but I really felt like th- that this segment was for this week. Uh, so I want you to turn your attention to the screens and hear a continuation of Zach's testimony. It's funny that society we live in today, we want to avoid pain. We go out of our way to avoid pain, but as has been said before, pain is sometimes necessary. Growing up the way I did, I remember sitting in the doctor's office and the doctor saying that in order for my muscles to work properly, I would have to stretch beyond my pain level. Picture yourself as a 12-year-old kid hearing that you have to put yourself in that much pain for your muscles to reset. If it was up to me, I wouldn't want to do it. Who would? Who volunteers for that much pain? But here's over my dad who was with me. And he was obsessed with encouraging me and getting me to a place where he knew I could be. So we get home and we start stretching. And right there beside me, He encourages me, stretch beyond your pain level. I didn't like it, but it was necessary. 
I think about my uh, dad and what if he didn't do that? What if he didn't allow me to go through that pain? I would say that would be terrible. That would be evil. Because here's the thing, that pain is necessary and a good father knew that I needed to go through that because I am convinced that because I did that, I am able to walk and I'm not in a wheelchair. If my dad wasn't good, he would have let me go away. He would have let me not stretch beyond my pain level. I would have liked him, but he wouldn't be good. But because he made me stretch, I can say with all confidence that he is good. How much more good is our Heavenly Father when he allows us seasons of pain. Not easy words to hear. Because as, as Zach said, this isn't as a kid, as a 12-year-old, as an adult. That's not what we want. But the father knew what he needed in order to get to the place that he could, he could get. And as a result, as Zach said, he's, he's not in a wheelchair today. He's walking. He's here. He's serving. So there, God works supernaturally at times to bring us through suffering and to use that suffering in order to grow us and stretch us. That's part of the way that he can use the, the things that we deal with in life. And we want to also embrace this reality, not just that life is hard, not just that God is good, but that God is healer. And Leah's gonna come and share a testimony of a miraculous divine physical healing that she witnessed. Hello again. So when I, um, when I lived in Florida, I was on staff at a church there for eight years. And during that time, I was really blessed to be able to go over to Kenya, Africa once a year on a missions trip uh, for about two weeks at a time. And we would go and work with orphans and pastors and just really serve wherever there was a need. And one of the years that we went, we took a healing evangelist with us. Um, he's actually still a good friend of mine. His name is Dale, and he's just an amazing man of God who loves people, loves the Lord. And so while we were over there with Dale, we did a crusade throughout the week, and one night we were in one part of the city, and we put up this big tent, and they put up all these posters. They invited out a bunch of people. There was hundreds of people that came out. And we had worship, and then Dale spoke, and after he spoke, he gave an altar call, and he called people forward. If you need any type of healing or deliverance whatsoever, come forward. And, I mean, so many people rushed the stage. Some people couldn't even leave where they were at because they were just so overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. And um, there was actually a lot of deliverance ministry that happened that night as well. People were delivered of demonic possession. And so we saw a lot of that. Um, and there were healings. People were healed of, of various things. Um, and our team was just, I mean, we were just in awe of what was happening. But for myself, I was a little skeptical. Um, I think because 
at that time I camped out in this kind of passive belief about God as a healer because I wasn't seeing it in my own life and in my own experiences. And so the service ended and people started to go away and and it was getting late and we were all under the tent and we were cleaning up and it was probably like an hour after afterwards and there was this woman and she was coming in through the front and she had a cane and one leg was normal length and the other leg was more like this so one of her legs was shorter than the other but significantly shorter and she didn't speak English so she had an interpreter tell Dale you know that she was late for the service but she still wanted to be prayed for she believed that God was going to heal her and so he just smiled and he brought her up to the front and he had her sit on the stage and he had her sit and she put her legs out in front of her and he called us to come around and he told us he said now I'm going to pray for this woman but I want you to pray as well because I'm not the one that heals her God is and so we're going to pray for her together and so we were like okay and so we laid hands on her and we just we began to pray And he just began to worship the Lord. He just began to thank God for her and for who God is. And he just began to call out, God, you are healer. You are awesome. You are, you are victorious. He wasn't saying anything like, oh, be healed. He was just praising God. And he was just encouraging us, just worship Jesus, just worship Jesus. And then he looked at the woman and in Swahili, he told her, Jesus loves you. And she just smiled and and nodded. And this went on for quite some time. I don't remember how long it was, but we were there for a good while just praying, and it was just kind of like that awkward moment when we were like, okay, is this really going to happen? And all of a sudden, he just goes, look, just like a child, just look. And he wasn't touching her. He didn't have his hands on her. And her leg was growing little by little, very, very slowly, but her leg was growing her leg was growing (laughs) and I looked and then I looked away and then I looked again it was one of those moments where you just you were blinking a bunch because you were like no no you know like we say God is healer he can heal but then you see something like that and you realize oh my faith is really not that big at all (laughs) Because I didn't think that God could do something like that. And then I witnessed it right in front of my eyes. This woman's leg is literally growing. And no one's touching her. No one's saying anything. And Dale just began to praise the Lord. And he just looked at the woman. And in Swahili, just over and over, he said, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And she just got the biggest smile on her face. And she just stuck her hands up in the air. And she just began to worship and praise Jesus. And we were just speechless in awe and still to this day I'm in awe that was a faith increasing moment for me where I was taken to a new place in my relationship with the Lord God is healer amen amen Amen. praise God so you may be feeling stretched like could this really be and I, I fully trust Leah's testimony and what she said. And it's like, but how can this be? 
how can this Jesus do such miraculous things? But do you realize that we limit the holy God of Israel? That in our thinking, we, we can accept, you know, when, when we say, okay, I read that God spoke and worlds came into being. Okay, that can happen. Well, think about that. That nothing is there, God's word comes forth and worlds appear. That's what we're saying we believe. So can we believe that God can also grow a limb? that he can miraculously touch and he can make whole. Yes, we need to believe this and we need to understand that again, that as the heavens are higher than the earth, I keep coming back to this, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways and our thoughts and our ways and our thoughts. We need to allow him to expand our vision of who he is, of who Jesus is. Whatever box we have built for him, and we often don't see ourselves as building boxes until there's something that challenges what we believe. And then we start to question and we wonder, can Jesus really be this person? Can he really do these things? So I'm gonna pray that God's just gonna continue to open our eyes, that we would see as he sees, that we would see him as he truly is. Thank you, God. God, thank you that you are here. God, I thank you that you love us right where we are and that you desire to lead us closer to yourself. God, that you desire to lead us into deeper realities of who you are, that you lead us from the things that we think that we want, and and they may be good wants and good desires, but you lead us to deeper. You lead us to the reality of what we need in you and who you are. So God, I pray that you would lead us and guide us and stretch us. And Lord, as we've just heard these testimonies, sometimes what you lead us to is the the strength to endure suffering in order to bring us to a better place. And sometimes you lead us to the miraculous that we can't explain to lead us to where you desire us to be. So God, help us, Lord, right now to allow you to tear down whatever boxes, whatever limitations we've placed on you and to receive you in the reality of who you are. Jesus, we thank you that you are revealing yourself even now. Continue through your word and by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the testimony that Leah gave is literally brings us into this place where we are in scripture, where there had been a miraculous healing that could not be explained. The one who had been an invalid for 38 years was walking and he was following Jesus' direction because Jesus said, get up, take up your bed and walk. And the problem was it was the Sabbath. So when the Jews saw him, they said, wait, you can't be doing that. It's the Sabbath. And he said, yeah, but the guy that healed me told me to do this and he didn't even know who Jesus was that it was Jesus at that point but scripture says that he went into the temple he met Jesus there and Jesus revealed who he was so then the guy uh, goes back to the Jews and this is the last part of our text from last week beginning with with verse 15 of chapter 5 and scripture says that, that the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him and this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now and I am working. So specifically in that, in that verse, verse 16, where it says the Jews were persecuting Jesus, if you go to the original Greek word, it actually means bringing prosecution against. That's like literally they were putting Jesus on trial and they had accusations specifically against Jesus at this time. So again, he was being prosecuted by the Jews. He was being challenged, he was being questioned. So Jesus is put on trial by the religious leaders and we know that, again, this is not the only time that he has or will be on trial by them. But it's based on what he was doing and what they thought or wanted the Messiah to do. 
He was going beyond what they thought was proper. So we move into our text now today. We're starting with verse 18. And this first verse says this. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So it's two primary charges against him. First is that he was breaking the Sabbath. The second is that he was making himself equal with God. When he said, my father, that was different. They would say, our father, our father was okay. But when he said, my father, he was putting himself as the son of God. And they saw that, they heard it, and it's like, you're on trial. So Jesus now is gonna move into this place where he is, he is bringing his defense to them and he is speaking these words to, to those that are challenging him and who he is. And I want, you, want us to be remembering again that often Jesus is not who we want him, want him to be, he is who we need. And who we need in, in Jesus is so much more. So through this entirety of scripture, um, Jesus, or through the entirety of scripture, we really look at from Genesis to Revelation, Jesus is bringing revelation of himself. It is his story. Specifically here, Jesus is speaking to, to, to who he is. So now let's look at this, the passage and hear Jesus' defense. He begins in verse 19 saying this, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have, gone, who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. These are the words of Jesus. Now there are three phrases, or three times this, this one phrase is used in this passage. And the phrase is truly, truly. In fact, in this passage, three times it says, truly, truly, I say to you. So truly, truly, we had looked at this earlier. Four previous times in, uh, in the Gospel of John, we've already come across this. Once in chapter one and three times in chapter three. And truly, truly, um, as we had said before, is, is Jesus calling special attention to what he's saying. Now, the reality, again, is that Jesus is God and, and he is truth. So everything that Jesus ever said was true. But when he says truly, truly, he's bringing special attention. And, and what we had said before is like, you know, when somebody says something and you're in agreement, you say amen. Basically what Jesus is saying, before I make this statement, amen, amen. 
Like he's drawing special attention to this. There's reason for it, that, that he wants to, to give the assurance that what he is saying is absolutely true. So not only, again, is it true, but, but it, it points back to that it's true because he knows it from firsthand experience. He's drawing special attention to what he is about to say. So there's three truly, truly's I say unto you that, that, he, that he has here, and that's the way that we're going to look at this passage and see how he is bringing revelation to who he is. Now he's speaking to the, the Jews who were, who were set in the law. And that law was, was something that gave definition. And it was a law not, it was a law founded on God's, God's law, but it was a law that man had created to try to, uh, to give definition that God didn't give them permission to give. So again, the issue about the, the man carrying his mat on the Sabbath was not that he was violating God's law, he was violating the law that man established based on God's law. So there were 39 categories of, of how you could break the Sabbath that they created. And within those categories were specifics. And some things were even to the point like you can't carry a burden. And that may mean that you may not be able to have your false tooth in. I mean, it was that extreme. Or if you had a prosthetic, you possibly couldn't carry that, that prosthetic on the Sabbath day. So again, he's, Jesus is walking in and he's saying, you know, he's defending himself because he's saying, you've taken these laws and you've built these boxes about who God is and, and who Jesus, the Messiah is and what he can do, and I'm gonna shatter those. And he's speaking life. Instead of law, the law, the law speaks towards death because it shows us that we fall short. He's speaking life. The letter brings death, the spirit brings life. Life is all through this. So there's three ways that we're gonna see life, again, as Jesus is saying, again, that that. Often, I'm not who you want me to be. I am who you need me to be, and that is greater. And three things that that Jesus is through this passage. Jesus is, first of all, he's life in partnership with the Father. The second thing is that Jesus is the way to eternal life. And the third is that Jesus is life and the judge of every life. So I'm gonna be bringing these back up on on the screens as we go through the passages because each of these, again, are connected to one of his sayings that begins, very, verily, verily, I say unto you, okay? Or truly, truly. I'm crossing translations, by the way. So just so you know, if you're reading a different translation, ESV says truly, truly. King James will say verily, verily. And NIV says very truly. These are all interpreted the same same way. And Jesus bringing specific attention toward this truth that he's witnessed. So Jesus is life in partnership with the Father. So this is one place where Jesus is saying who he is and we can actually look to him and we can see an example that we can follow specifically. And you understand as we go through some of the others that they're not necessarily examples to follow, but here's one where we specifically can look to Jesus, see his example and are called to follow after him. So in verse 19, He says, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. So when Jesus is saying this, many people believe that he's even referring back to how a person would learn a trade in that day. In fact, Jesus had a trade. He was the son of a carpenter and became a carpenter himself. Now, carpenter may mean one who works with wood, but some some believe that the original, that he he actually may have been of stonemason, somebody who formed stone. But the thing is, is that the way that the person would learn to trade Uh, similar to today, but a father to a son would be that the father would be doing the trade, the son would be watching, and as he's watching what the father does, he learns to do it. So when Jesus says this, again, it makes sense as it ties into how he would have even learned to trade as he lived the workaday world for so many years of his life, that what I see the father doing, that's what I'm doing. He's taking this earthly thing as an example, 
this tra- learning a trade and he's putting it to the heavenly. And he's saying, I look to my heavenly father. What I see my heavenly father doing, I am doing. And then he goes even further and he, and he says this, that, that there's nothing, the son can do nothing of his own accord. He's saying, I am completely dependent on dad. I'm completely relying on him. Now this is where Jesus then later in John 15, chapter 15, verse five, he calls us to do the same thing because Jesus invites us into, he says, remain in me, abide in me, and I in you because apart from me, you can do nothing. That even as Jesus was completely dependent on the Father, whatever the Father was doing, he was doing, and he could do nothing apart from the Father, even so, we are called to be dependent on Jesus. That whatever we see Jesus doing, that's what we do. What we hear him saying, that's what we say. And we can do nothing that bears fruit unless we're abiding, unless we're remaining in him. Then we move to verse 20, and Jesus gives the motive behind Jesus showing this. And that motive is love. He says this, for the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And the father loves us and he is desiring to reveal himself to us. He's desiring to reveal what he is doing that we can see and that we can also learn because again, he loves us as we draw near in relationship, as we have that communion, as we see that, that again, God is desiring what's best for us. Our eyes will be drawn to what the father is doing as well and we can do as he does. The end of verse 20 then, Jesus takes it further. He says, greater things than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. So again, as Leah gave testimony to a healing, absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible. They had seen a healing, absolutely incredible. And then Jesus says, wait, there's even more. We're talking about resurrection power, the ability to raise one who is dead back to life. This is the more that he was saying. You marvel at this, wait till, you, wait till you see what's coming. As the father raises the dead and gives him life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. Now he certainly may have been referring to uh, something that, that we're gonna be studying later in John chapter 11 where it was Lazarus coming forth from the dead. He may have been referring to that. He had also raised, raised others from the dead. And he may also, and probably was even referring to his own resurrection from the dead. But we need to realize, we need to embrace this reality is that God has power over death. He has power over death. And we're gonna unpack that a little bit more as we go down through. And then we move into this partnership where again, father and son are working in partnership. This partnership now in these next uh, couple of verses looks a little bit different because the father is actually handing over some, some uh, responsibilities to the son that are now in the son's hands. When he says this in verse 22, for, this, for the father judges no one but has given all judgment to the son that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. So the father is saying, judgment, son, belongs to you. And we're gonna look at that in just a couple more verses. But he's giving, giving judgment to the son. Now, again, we need to remember that the one who judges is worthy of honor. The one who judges is the one who has given himself that we can be free from judgment. The one who judges is the one who has made the way that we don't have to come under judgment. This is what is being entrusted to the son by the father. And he says that honor comes with it. So I was thinking about this, you know, in, in a court of law, the judge, your honor. 
there's a place of honor of, of worth that is ascribed to that position because that position has the final call. What the judge says is what happens. And this is true of Jesus. Jesus has been given the authority to judge. And with that comes honor, even honor as the father is honored. So we look at this again, that Jesus is life in partnership with the father. This may move us from, I don't want Jesus to be that. This is what we need. We need him to be all that he is. And we're gonna see that as we go through to this next point, that Jesus is the way to eternal life. Single verse here that, that Jesus makes this declaration, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent, who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So as we unpack this verse, we wanna look at, again, what Jesus says is, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me. That's the, that's the door to eternal life. And hears and believes, when you look at the original Greek, it actually is stated in a way that it's, it's something that's ongoing. It's not a once and done. It's, it could be translated, the one who hears and continues hearing. The one who believes and continues believing. It's ongoing. It's not that we make this decision, we're done. No, it's a change of life. It's an ongoing hearing. It's an ongoing believing. And to that person is given the gift of eternal life. It's by the grace of God. It's not that we earn it. We can't earn it. But it's freely given. It's the gift of God through Jesus Christ. And hearing and believing moves a per- removes a person from being judged they passed from death to life. Now this is the first time in John where he talks about death this way. He said that the, the boy that was healed was close to death. But before this, John has said about being moved from darkness to light. And that's been, that's been the, uh, the example that's given that gives us the natural as far as darkness to light. Now he's saying from death to life. That that is what has happened as we accept and receive this free gift of life through Jesus Christ. Now one thing about this is that Jesus is making clear This only happens through him. This only can happen through Jesus. And there are those that will say that say the the Christian religion is so exclusive. There's you know that, that that's wrong. How can it only be Jesus? There has to be other ways. The reality is is that the creator of the universe has created one way to himself through Jesus Christ. We are not being cruel when we say that. We are being kind because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. There's so many things in life that we can accept as exclusive, but when it comes to to eternity, people can balk at it. The reality is that we need to proclaim that he is the way. He is the only way. Whether that's what we want or not, he is who we need. The third part as we move into this third verily, verily, or truly, truly, I'm sorry, I keep switching translations on you, Um, is that Jesus is life and the judge of every life. Jesus is life and he's the judge of every life. So when we look at this passage in verse 25, again, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here. That's the same phrase that he used with the woman at the well. The hour is coming and is now here. So he's saying in this present moment, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. He's saying that right now, it's here. Now, I, I believe there are multiple interpretations of that. Part of that could be the, referring to the resurrections that are about to happen, both of Lazarus and of himself. But it can also mean that the, the spiritual transformation where those who are dead in sin are being called to life. They're hearing the Son of God and are being brought to life. But he says then, for as the Father has life in himself, he has granted the Son also to have life in 
in himself. We need to just sit with this. That life itself is in God. And the Father has granted that the Son would have life in himself. That means the essence of all living things are found in God. You know, in in First John, we hear that, you know we read that that God is love. So we know that that is the essence of who He is. It's not just that He loves, but He is love. Here we're saying that God is life. Jesus is life. The essence of all things are from the the word being spoken. So there is no life that exists that hasn't come from God that God sustains all things by the power of his word, that when we look around, we, we see the life of, of each individual that's here and, and wherever we go, but we see life too throughout creation. And that essence of life is in Jesus. There is no other place. That from the, the person of who God is, the deity of who God is, all life comes. And out of that life comes authority. So then he moves again, verse 26, for as the father has life in himself, so has he granted the son also to have life in himself and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. That judgment again comes into the, the hands of Jesus. And then the further explanation goes on, do not marvel at this for an hour is coming. He's, now, he's saying what is here and now. He, now he's saying an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Okay, think about this. If you're, anybody that is in a tomb is dead. An hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. This is the power of life in God. All who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So the two destinations, all will, will come before God. And it says that the differentiation is those who have done good will be, again, to, to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of death. Now, again, as we looked at healing, we said we never take one verse and establish truth from that. God is not changing his mind and now all of a sudden saying it's based on works, whether or not you go to heaven or you go into eternal damnation. No, he's not changing that. When he's saying those who have done good, it means that those who have embraced faith in Christ and are living according to God's word because we are only saved, again, through faith that it's the gift of God, it's grace. It's not by works so we can boast. But the reality is that our faith is gonna work itself out in good works. Those who have not embraced faith in Christ will have evil works and will be resurrection, have a resurrection to death. That may not be what we want but it's the reality of who Jesus is and that he is providing the way that we don't have to have eternal damnation. He is clearly making the way that we can be with him forever. His desire is that we would be with him forever. His desire is that each one of us, that all that he has created would embrace the way to to the Father, which is through the Son. Jesus is everything that we need. When we embrace him, when we walk with him, Jesus becomes everything that we want. That as we walk according to what our true need is, that we need eternal salvation, that we need his life, that we are dead apart from him. When we walk according to these truths and what he has provided for us, our wants become focused on him. I want more of him. I want to discover more and more who he is and I want the reality of his life, the reality of his life, 
to flow in and through me. So this ties in extremely strongly to what today is and what we celebrate. This is Palm Sunday. We're going to fast forward a little bit to John chapter 12. We're going to study this in depth a little bit later in this year. But I want to read verse, uh, verses 12 through 19 of John 20. Speaking again of Palm Sunday that we celebrate today. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is, is written. This is fulfilling the prophecy from Zechariah 9.9. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. They had literally seen a resurrection, death to life. And they were witnessing, again, who he is and, and what he was doing. The reason why the crowd went out to meet him was they heard he had done the sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. We've said that as Jesus revealed himself through the book of John, it, it caused both embrace and opposition. And we see both of those things happening in this, in this, in this uh, occurrence as Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. He's riding on a donkey, which is an animal of peace. As a king, a king would ride a donkey into a city, and it was in a time of peace. It meant the, the war was over, and it was a peacetime entry. So Jesus was, again, riding as a king of peace, as prince of peace. And as he was riding in on that donkey, the the people were taking the palm branches and were waving. They were singing and shouting, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. I mean, they, they were saying, blessed be the king of Israel, even as John says here. And, and this is recorded again in, in all four of the gospels, this entry into Jerusalem. What were they saying? What did they see Jesus as? What did they want from the Messiah that they were shouting praises to? The word Hosanna comes from Psalm, it's used in Psalm 118. And Hosanna actually means save us. It, it, it means that it's, it's a begging, it's a crying out, it's a pleading that says save us. And what were they asking for? They were under Roman rule and they were believing that Jesus the Messiah was about to save them from Roman rule. That he was going to deliver the small nation of Israel and he was gonna pull them out from un under the oppressive rule of Roman government. That's the Jesus they wanted. But Jesus was riding into Jerusalem to be the Jesus that they needed, which was so much more. So we can see this actually in the palm that, um, that you'll have the opportunity to receive as we leave worship today. So this is a strip of palm. I know when often we see the pictures, you know, the different palms going up, but this is a, a strip from, from palm leaf. And, um, and you can picture that when they were waving that palm, they were saying, King of Israel, rule over us, free us from Roman oppression. Make our lives easier and help us to live in the freedom that we want. This palm, there are some papers with instructions. This palm can be folded and twisted and turned to become this. That palm can become the cross. 
And you can look at it this way, is that this poem represents the Jesus that they wanted. This poem folded as a cross is the Jesus that they needed and is so much greater. This poem is temporary peace. This poem is temporary release from the oppression of this world. This cross brings deliverance of sin, eternal salvation, and peace in the heart that no government can bring. And through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, he was leading to the greater. He was leading to dealing with the true issue, the issue of our sin that separates us from God. He was providing the way that we can be free from judgment, that we can have eternal life, that we experience now and will have for all of eternity. So will we allow him to be the Jesus that we need? As we walk through this week, I I really do believe that this is Holy Week and there are different ways that you can track through this week, but I would just encourage you that you would walk with me in moving from that place of, of a Jesus that we may want to embracing in a greater way the Jesus that we need. That we would walk from the Palm Sunday to the crucifixion on Friday. And I always say, Jesus, please reveal yourself to me. Please reveal yourself in the way that I have been longing for something from you that is far less than what I need. That may be seeking the blessings of this world that are temporary instead of fixing our eyes on the eternity of the kingdom of God, something that lasts forever. We may, we may be wanting a Jesus that says, you know what, the way we're living is just okay. The Jesus that goes to the cross says, I'm bearing the weight of your sin. I'm dying for your sin so you don't have to live in it anymore. Not only freeing you from the penalty, I'm providing the power for you to find, to, to release you from that grip of sin in your life. How is Jesus speaking to you now? and showing you that you're embracing a Jesus you want, but I am the Jesus you need. That my death and my resurrection take you from death to life. Would you embrace the fullness of my provision? Would you hear my voice speaking to the dead places in your life, saying, come to life, be free, be delivered? He was saying all these wonderful things, be healed, be set free, be released, be made new. He is the Jesus who is all of this and so much more. Will we embrace him today? For this week, I'm just gonna encourage you to keep walking in what we've just shared from scripture. That you would look for signs of life around you and recognize that Jesus is the source of all life. Would you give glory and honor to him when you look across creation and you see life and realize that he is the source, he is the one who has created it and holds all things together. Let that point you then to eternal life. So walk through Holy Week, seeking to see more clearly who Jesus is, the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. I encourage you to continue to reading reading through uh, John chapter five. We're gonna continue in that passage next week. I wanna invite you to come to Good Friday service. 
7 o'clock here, we're going to be looking at the, listening to the words of Jesus from the cross and, and allow it to be a conversation with Jesus. Where we hear what he says and hear what he's proclaiming and then hear what he's saying to us and how we can respond to his words. Jesus is life. Jesus is light. He is power over death. He is the deliverer from all that holds us captive. Can we embrace this Jesus that we so desperately need? We're gonna sing a closing song and we're just gonna be pointing our attention again to Jesus in song. As, you, as we do, I wanna encourage you just to allow the word and the spirit to speak to your heart and lift you to a deeper place, to a higher place and a deeper realization of who Jesus truly is. God is speaking and he's continuing to speak to bring revelation to himself. Would you just look to him and allow him to speak to you personally now? As we sing the song, you're more than welcome if you would like to stand and worship, if you'd like to sit or kneel or just bring yourself before the Lord and allow him to bring fresh revelation of who Jesus is. However much we can realize that he is great, he is greater. The reality of who Jesus is is that he is great beyond our comprehension. He's desiring that we would continue to fix our eyes on him, that we would read his word, allow his spirit to speak fresh life into us, that we would embrace him more and more for who he is, and who he is is great. I'm going to pray a prayer, and it'll be a prayer dismissal, but I'm going to encourage you that um, we're going to go back into singing, Great Are You, Lord, and you would like to stay and just sit in that moment we invite you to continue to worship in song and allow Jesus to reveal more of, of just who he is when I say amen if you would if you feel called to leave that's fine we just ask that you leave quietly and give others a chance to continue to worship in song um, father thank you so much lord for who you are thank you Jesus that you are the son of God that you love us with a love beyond our comprehension, that you have given yourself, that we can have life eternal, that you have given us, given us your life, the essence of life. You have placed yourself within us that we can be victorious. God, in every area of our lives, that we can find victory that is possible only in and through you. So Jesus, we declare your greatness. We declare that you are worthy of our praise. We declare that we desire to see you more clearly, to embrace the reality of who you are. And we will continue to worship and praise you, not just with our words, but with our lives. So as we go from this place, we, de- we determine to declare your greatness. We determine to walk in the reality of your greatness. We determine to share your love and your life, Lord, with those that are around us. We thank you for this opportunity that we've had, and we pray that again, that our worship would continue, Lord, in this place and as we go out from this place, for your honor and for your glory. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.